We are in the book of um, Thessalonians, and actually today, partly, today's going to end up being shorter than normal, is the plan, uh, just because the passage that I was going to deal with, uh, it in chapter 2, the last part of the passage I was going to deal with this morning deals with fathers, and I thought, well, with next Sunday being Father's Day, we'll just save that for next Sunday. So uh, we're going to look at this morning uh, the first uh, nine verses. Is it two weeks away? Oh, I can't wait two weeks. Oh, that messed me all up now. All right, well, if you come next week, we're going to do a Father's Day message. And then on Father's Day, we'll be back in chapter the end of chapter 2. So that messed everything up. See, that's what happens when your wife goes away. Uh, my wife's in, uh, oh yeah, that's something to pray about too, because my wife's in Virginia, and tomorrow, uh, uh, Aaron and the baby fly out for the first time um, on a plane with a baby. So that should be interesting. So uh, I, know they would pre- I know Aaron would appreciate your prayers, because she's really nervous about she doesn't like flying anyway, but flying with a baby is a whole other world. So, uh, But anyway, um, okay, well, it messes everything up. I should have kept going or looked at the schedule better. That's my fault. All right, here we go. It's still going to be short, hopefully, uh, is the plan. So here we go. First Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes this book. He's in Corinth when he writes it. He has been to Philippi. They got imprisoned. You remember the story of the Philippian jailer? He ended up getting saved. They ended up going out of prison. The next place they go is Thessalonica. And going to Thessalonica, they're there for about three weeks. They end up in prison in Thessalonica. They end up leaving Thessalonica, heading to Berea, a couple other places, end up in Corinth. And this book, Thessalonians, is unique because Paul writes 1 Thessalonians while he's in Corinth. So it's really close to the trip he's just had. And that's important because a lot of the other gospel, or a lot of the other writings of Paul were written with some distance between them. So he's had time to contact him and go back and forth and find out stuff and hear stuff. But this is one that, uh, it's kind of like taking a trip and right at the end of the trip, writing a a letter about the trip or or journaling about the trip before you go home. That's kind of the idea here. So this this trip is very fresh in the mind of, of Paul and of the Thessalonian people. So... Uh, we talked about chapter 1 when he talks about the idea of treasuring your salvation, and now we get into chapter 2. And here's what he says, uh, starting in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. And then he goes on, uh, verse 4. Next one, guys. But as has been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words or... As you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So here's what happens. Paul is writing these people again. People have been criticizing Paul for his ministry. Paul now approaches, uh, writes this passage, and and he talks about his ministry. 
And now Paul's talking as, a, as an apostle, as someone who has ministered to them. But he gives us a lot of insight on how we are to live our lives in front of the people that we are ministering to. We believe in a priesthood of believer. What that means is that we are all called to minister to the people God puts into our lives. We are all called to be able to have an influence and an impact in the people that God has brought into our world. So with that idea, Paul gives us a lot of insight here as to what ministry should look like. And he talks about a couple of things. He says right off the bat, he said, you need to know, we ministered to you while we were suffering. I mean, they had just come out of Philippi. They had just been thrown in jail for what they said. So think about this for a minute. You've been imprisoned wrongfully for speaking the gospel, and now you go to the next town. How willing are you to take that risk again? And Paul says, you need to know, we didn't shy away from what we were called to do. It was tough. We suffered for it. We, we paid a price for it. You know, you've got to realize, I think sometimes in our culture, we think that because we're Christians, that people should like us. And that they should like our message. And that they should embrace us. And, and so sometimes in our culture, when people criticize us or mock us or make fun of Christianity, we get all bent out of shape and offended by it. Look, that's just part of the package. That's been going on for thousands of years. You, you, are, po- you are preaching an, an exclusive message to an inclusive world. You're, you're going out there and saying, there is one way in a world that says, oh, no, no, there's all kinds of ways. Our message is not going to be popular. There's going to be a tendency to shy away from it because we know that people aren't going to like it. And Paul said, no, no, you need to understand. We suffered to give this message, and we were okay with that. He goes on to say, we were bold in spite of conflict. People didn't like what we were saying. You know, we got thrown out of the church for this. We got put in prison in Thessalonica as well. But we had decided that we were still going to be bold. Here's, here, here, here's something that, that, that I'm seeing happen in Christianity that bothered me a little bit. We allow everybody else to be bold. And then we decide we don't want to be because we don't want to offend somebody. I don't think your methods should be offensive. But let's understand, your message will be. You know, and, and I think there needs to be, on our part, and I understand, I'm not talking about doing something that's going to get you fired. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when we have opportunities, you know, we, we need to be bold. We need to let people know that we're not afraid to be called a Christian. We're not afraid to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're not afraid to let you know that we believe differently than you do. Um, I'm not superior, but I am different. And, and, and Paul said, look, we boldly walked into, your, into Thessalonica, and in spite of the conflict, we went ahead and we were bold with our message. And then he goes in and says that it's not in error or uncleanness. It was the idea of our motives were pure. Um, we went in and we just told you honestly, from our heart, what God had done and God had shared with us. And he said, it wasn't in deceit. He said, we didn't trick you. He said, we weren't like a bait and switch thing. Like, 
you know, hey, come over to my house, and I got some friends who are coming over for dinner, and everybody gets there, and they're the only non-church couple, and everybody gangs up on them. He said, we didn't do that kind of stuff. He said, no, he said, it wasn't in deceit. He said, what you saw is exactly what we were. We didn't, no pretenses. And then he goes on, and he talks about this. He's got a little phrase in there that says, you were, we were entrusted with the gospel. Do you understand what God has done when he did that with us? Think about this for a minute. Jesus comes to the earth. He dies on a cross for, the sins, for, for our sins. He, we can put our faith and trust in him, and he becomes our Savior. We have eternal life. Okay. Now think about this for a minute. How does God get that message to the whole world? Because see, he could have done it a thousand ways. Jesus could, God could have set it up that said every time a person turns 12, a letter comes directly from heaven explaining salvation. God could have said that when there's a crisis in your life, at some point in your life, an angel will appear to you from heaven and will explain to you how to come to God. There's a gazillion ways God could have shared the gospel. But you know what he did? Here's what he said. I'm going to put it in the lives of people. And I'm going to entrust it to them to share it with other people. Jesus comes to this earth, spends 33 years, takes the entire thing that he did and sums it up and looks at a group of people and says, Now, look, you 11 guys, I'm getting ready to go away. And um, I'm going to come back one day, but until I do, it's your job to tell everybody everything that I've taught you for the last three years. So think about this for a minute. If those 11 guys said, nah, we're not going to tell anybody. None of us would be here today. God took the entire thing and entrusted it to people. Here's the bottom line. God has entrusted the gospel to us to share with this community. And if we don't do it, then they don't hear God has taken and put certain people in your world, and it's your responsibility to share the gospel with them because it has been entrusted to you. Don't look to somebody else to do your job. God has brought those people in your world for you to do it. And Paul said, look, we went to Thessalonica, and when we got there, the reason we did it is because God entrusted this thing to us to share with other people. So we were bold. Even though there was conflict, we were going to go ahead and do it. We were going to tell you what God had done in our lives. And that's important for us to understand. That is our job. We are not, look, we are not building on for us. We don't need it. we we got enough room for us right now. It's not about us. It's about a community that we want to share the gospel with. And we want them to be able to come to a place where they can learn and grow. That's what it's about. So it's important for us to understand, we have been entrusted with this sacred thing, salvation, and not to hoard it, but to share it. And that's why it is so important that we do that. And Paul goes on. He talks about some other things. And he said, we don't, you know, he said, um, he said, we've entrusted the gospel, even when we speak, not as pleasing men. It's not about tickling ears. It's not about telling people what they want to hear. And we're in a culture that, unfortunately, a lot of churches, that's what we've gone to now. It's like, well, you know, we'll, you know we don't want to be too offensive. You know, we don't want to be, you know, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to, 
We'd embrace as many people as we can. Um, you know, particularly this whole, and, and I don't talk a lot about stuff like this, but from time to time I've got to address it because it's about Christian growth and this is part of Christian growth. You know, this whole gay, lesbian, transgender, whatever thing you want to call it thing. Okay, do you understand the fundamental problem with what is happening in the church with regards to that group of people? What they're saying is this. You should allow us to come in, and you should accept us, and you should embrace us, and you should allow us to come in and be who we are. That's what they're saying. You know what the fundamental problem with that is? We don't do that for anybody. See, our fundamental issue is this. The gospel changes lives. The goal of the gospel is for you and me and anybody who walks in that door to take their life wherever it is and bring it more in conformity to Christ. That's the goal. The goal is for everyone in here, whether you've been here a week or a year or 10 years or 15 years or 25 years, the goal every time you walk in that door is for you to change something in your life to be more like Christ this week than you were last week. I don't want anyone in this place to come in and go, I'm going to be who I am, and I'm not going to change, and you just need to accept me as I am. I don't care who you are. I don't even look at myself that way. Why? Because my goal is to be more like Christ tomorrow than I was yesterday. And my goal, every time I walk in this building, every time I come to fellowship, every time we open the Bible, is to be, bring my life in line with Jesus Christ. The goal is never to just be who I am. And that's the fundamental problem. The gospel changes lives. The goal of the gospel is for us to become more like Christ. Not to be the same. And so I believe that you accept anyone who walks in the door, as long as their desire is to change and to be more like Christ. That's what we're after. And if that's not your desire, then our preaching and teaching and everything else is going to be to help you to understand that's what the Bible's all about. It's about bringing your life in conformity to Christ. It's not about bringing the church into conformity to your life. That's not what it is. And Paul said, look, you need to understand... This whole idea here is, oh, nope, go back to the other one, guys. Uh, I haven't got that far yet. Uh, this whole idea is that we're not going to use flattering words. He said, or a cloak of covetousness. Um, basically, here's what Paul's saying. We're not going to use the ministry as a way for us to get ahead. Um, th- really, when you go into the original language, this really addresses the whole prosperity gospel thing. It really does. Paul said, look, let me put it in modern-day vernacular for you and I. It's not about money. The church and money were having this issue 2,000 years ago because people thought it was about money. And Paul said, you need to know. In fact, Paul was a tent maker, so Paul was bivocational when he was at Thessalonica and when he was at Philippi. And one of the reasons he was bivocational is because he wanted to look at those people and say, look, I didn't do that. I didn't come there so you could support me. 
Um, you know, and those of you who know my story here, you know, I, for a long time, I, I did a job and the pastor thing, and I love doing that. I'd go back to that in a heartbeat if, if I thought we could, if I thought I could manage it. But um, there's something to be said for that. And Paul said, you know what? He said, look, it wasn't about, it wasn't about money. One of the reasons we're doing the building the way we're doing it is because we don't want it to be about money. That's why we don't do capital campaigns. That's why we don't do fundraisers. That's why we don't do those things. Why? Because we want people to be able to come here, worship, fellowship, learn, grow, change. And we firmly believe that when God gets your heart, all the other stuff falls in line. And that's why from day one, we've always watched God take care of this. We've always watched God meet the needs here. And, and it's no different today. And, and I want to challenge you because sometimes I think... Here's my fear about the building thing, because we actually had this happen the last time we did a building project. We had people say, I know you, you know, thanks for inviting me to church, but the only reason you want me to come is because you want me to give money to pay off your new building. We actually had that said last time we built. And so we want to be very, very careful that no, 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 no. You know what? It's not about your money. It's about you. It's about you. And that's what Paul was saying to these people. And then he goes on, and it's the idea, <clears throat> he addresses this idea of um, we didn't do it for attention. We didn't seek glory for men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul says, you need to understand, I could have walked in there and said, you listen to me because I'm an apostle. He said, I didn't say that. What I did was I walked in, and I lived among you, <clears throat> and I taught among you, and I let you look at my life, and, and on that basis, I wanted you to live, my li- live like I lived. I wanted you to be able to follow me as I followed Christ. He said, it wasn't about titles and all this kind of stuff. He said, I wanted you to follow me, and I'm going li- to show, here's, here's the important thing, I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm going to show you that when you preach the gospel, there's conflict. I'm going to show you that, you might, that, that it may not all go really, really well for you. But I'm going to do that so that you can see what it really, really looks like. And then he goes on, and he uses this idea of, of a mom, which is a, a phenomenal... Uh, concept here, and here's what he says. Uh, go to verse 7, guys. <clears throat> but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. He said this term, he said, we, we came to you kind of like a mom approaches a newborn. <clears throat> We're to take care of it, and they do all these kinds of things, and, and, and they love it. And then notice what he goes on to say, so affectionately longing for you. I've I got to stop here. I've got to take a rabbit trail, so just bear with me for a second. That little phrase, affectionately longing for you, here's what Paul was saying. We just wanted to be with you. That's what it was about. We loved being there with you. No agenda, no anything else. We just wanted to be there. Because Paul was saying, look, there was something. there's something that happens when God's people get together. Um, so let me address this for a second for us as a church, because I think this is really important. Um, here's, here's, what's, here's what's happened this week. What's happened this week is we've said, okay, here's a schedule, and we've had all kinds of people show up. Um, and we've had every age group imaginable. Yesterday we had everybody here from 70 to, how old is, how old is she? 11 months. 11 months. We had 11 months all the way up to 70s. Uh, we had everybody. Um, 
Had a lot of fun things happen yesterday. You know what my funnest, you know what my favorite thing was yesterday? Huh? Brody. How old's Brody? Three years old. So Brody's here, three years old. We're all working. We get this pad all done. Bull floating it, getting it all straight. Now, what do you think a three year old? He didn't even throw it in there. He threw it at the ground Yes. A three-year-old, what does a three-year-old do? They throw rocks. So Brody picks up a rock and he throws it, it goes, bounces, and it goes boop, 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 boom, right in the middle of what had just been both floated out. And then I don't know who it was, but somebody, I wasn't there, I wasn't there for that part of it. Somebody went, hey, you need to go get that. And he was gonna go get it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, you can't do that. Uh, you can't do that. I'm just kidding. Uh, and so everybody we loved it. We loved it. We loved it. So we, uh, they both floated it back in and got it all covered out. And, 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 and all of us who were there, we can go to that spot and go, that's Brody's spot right there. <laughs> now, why do I say that? Because here's, here's what you need to understand. And I've shared this with the board. This project is not about building a building. Because here's the bottom line. If we wanted to, we could just go out and write a check and have somebody build a building. Not about building buildings. This building project is about building people. This building project is about relationships. This building project is about just people getting together when we're doing it. Whether or, listen to me, whether or not they can contribute to the project at hand. Because there are some of you that here's the bottom line. Physically, you can't. You may not have the skill set to do it. You may not have the strength to do it. You may not have the whatever. You can't. But you can be present. And the reason I say that is because you know what happens when you're present? Relationships get started. Relationships get built. We probably had as many people watching yesterday at some points as we did working. And you know what? That was just fine. Because at some point, a lot of us came in here and sat down at a table and ate together and told stories or drank coffee or watched what happened yesterday. You see, it's not about the bill. It's about the relationship. This is what Paul's saying. He said, I long to be with you. I just long to be in an an atmosphere where we were together. And that's where God starts to develop stuff. And I just want to challenge you. And no, some of you, your schedules, you couldn't be here. That, that's not a problem. I, I get that. But some of you could. And some of you, some of you could, and some of you wanted to, but you stayed home because you thought, well, I can't help. And you're the person I want to talk to. Because that's not true. It's that presence. It's that ability to develop a relationship because see you can't develop a relationship with someone if you're not here and if you're sitting at home going well you know i just i don't have the strength that i used to have and you know it's harder for me to get okay fine if you want to fine but i want you to understand that you can also have a time where relationships are developed through stuff like that and there are some days this past week where you know i mean there was a lot of sitting 
and just talking. And at one point, there was a crisis. Was it Tuesday? Wednesday. Crisis where we thought we were going to have to shut it down and go home because we almost ran out of cookies. <laughs> and we were down to like the last five or six, and we thought, you know, okay, you know, we're going to have to just shut it down and go home. But again, people were bringing up cookies, people were bringing up stuff, people were bringing up all kinds of sitting around. But why? Because that's what Paul's saying. When he talks about this idea of we were affectionately longing for you, we wanted to spend time with you, we wanted to build those relationships, we really did want to invest in you as a group of people there at Thessalonica. And we longed for that. And he goes on. We were pleased to... Oh, no, no, that was it. Go back, guys. That's the end of it. We are pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you became dear. This is exactly what he's saying. We were able to invest our lives in you. Yeah, we shared the gospel with you. But more importantly, we got to be involved life to life. And and I want to challenge you because this is so important for us to understand as a church. Too many times it becomes about programs, about projects, about those kinds. We want it to always be about people. And we want it to be about the relationships that we build one with another. And as a friend of mine, dear friend of mine always says, you're building memories. That's what you're building. That's what you're investing in. You're investing in memories. This, one of the things, we, we try to do that a lot. We try to give you a, this afternoon is an opportunity for memories. That's what it's about. It's an opportunity for stories to develop. That's what it's about. Yesterday, here, look. You know what's going to happen in the next couple of months? We're going to tear up this whole slab. But you know what? I remember pouring that slab. I remember 17, 16, or 16 years ago or so when we started pouring that slab out there. Now we're going to tear it up. It's going to chunk it all up. It's going to go in a ditch somewhere as landfill. That's what's going to happen to it. But I remember the stories and the stuff and building it and pouring it and the relationships that were developed. As much as I love what we did yesterday, here's the bottom line. At some point, it's going to get torn up. It's not about 30 yards of concrete that got poured yesterday. It's about the relationships of a whole group of people working together, laughing, a three-year-old throwing a rock into the middle of it, a big dog that basically is a borderline horse. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's about those kinds of things. Because those are the kinds of things we'll remember, and those are the kinds of things that we'll laugh about, and those are the kinds of things that build a relationship. It's about the people who would work it in the kitchen, who were goofing, no, I'm not goofing off, but are goofing off, laughing, and, and everything else going on in the kitchen, and doing all that crazy stuff. It's about the people who were sitting at the table, or a couple of, guys, a couple of the guys who sat in chairs and, and watched it. I, you know, it's about, it's about Greg's dad who came up this week. While we were working out there, sitting there watching it, and they would take a break and we go and talk to him. That's what it's about. It's about those opportunities. And that's what I want to challenge you with because that's where Christianity, that's where we get to know each other. It's about calling somebody up and saying, hey, look, you want to go to lunch? You want to go to dinner? It's about those kinds of things. And I want to challenge you that way because I think we miss that out in this crazy, hectic, scheduled, programmed world that we live in. 
And we've got a world that supposedly is the most connected in history with some of the loneliest people that we've ever had in history. Because all of that connectedness is at this shallow level where we're not invested in each other's lives. And Paul said, look, we, were, we, we loved being with you guys. So a couple of takeaways. Here we go. Genuine faith requires a commitment. If you think the Christian life is about this easy sign-up thing where it's just healthy, wealthy, wise, and all this kind of thing, and God just, just dumps buckets of blessing upon you and stuff like that, then, then you really need to do some serious Bible reading. That's not the lives of the saints of God that's not the lives of the disciples that follow Jesus who know most intimately of him. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. Because the second you say, I'm going to follow God, you put a big bullseye on, your t- on, your, on you for Satan to say, I'm going to keep that from happening. And he works very hard to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But God is greater. And God wins and love wins and paul here reminds us that you know what it's gonna and and so tough times come and conflict come but that's okay you still keep plugging away it's going to you're going to have opposition that's okay just follow christ with your whole heart and we have to get to a point that as paul does here that you live for an audience of one I can't stress that enough because I think we forget that. You know, I often hear, I get asked this often. One of the questions I get asked is, how do you you have the boldness to say some of the stuff you say? You know, because I mean, you know, you you can step on a lot of toes really fast sometimes. You want me to tell you the secret? I don't care what you think. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I want to be tactful and all those kind of things. But you know who I'm more concerned about? I'm more concerned about the day that I stand before God and can't give an account for everything that I set up here. I'm more concerned for the day that I give an account for, you taught these people what First Thessalonians was all about. Did you get it right or not? Did you tell them what they wanted to hear or did you tell them what they needed to hear? Did you tell them what I said? Or did you tell them what you thought was easiest to say? I try to do my best when I stand up here to live for an audience of one. There's only one person I'm interested in pleasing when I stand up here and preach. That should be true for all of us for all of our life. We don't... We share the gospel... Because God has entrusted it with us, and we have an obligation and responsibility to share it with our neighbor. That's why we share the gospel. Because God wants us to do it. Not because we feel guilt or whatever else. Because God wants us to do it. Um, again, I, you know, okay, I'm going to step on toes, but I, this is where I live, and, and this is where I think the application is. I'm a grandparent now. So here's a question for you. Am I, kind of the, am I going to be the kind of grandparent that always makes my granddaughter happy? 
Or am I going to be the kind of grandparent that God requires for me to be? Because I happen to know there's going to come days that I'm going to have to tell that little girl no. And I'm going to have to tell that little girl some tough things. And it would be really easy for me to go, well, a grandparent's job is just to spoil them. You know, I've been reading my Bible about what the Bible says about the role of grandparent is. I don't see anywhere in the Scripture where it says my job's to spoil. My job's to help them become an adult. My job is to tell them sometimes the tough things that I'm going to have to tell them. Because you see, I don't care whether or not she th- I do care that whether or not she thinks I'm a great grand- uh, a great grandparent. But I do care whether or not God's pleased with my role as a grandparent. Audience of one. Does it make sense? And I think we have to step back sometimes and say, all right, you know what? Don't get me wrong. I love my wife. But I don't love my wife in order to please my wife. I love my wife because I have a Heavenly Father who says, look, this is what you're supposed to do as a husband. So, as crazy as it sounds, one of the reasons that I love my wife is because I know that that's a way that I can show God that I love Him. So, I look at loving my wife as a way that I'm pleasing God. Because there's times that I have to tell my wife some things and have said some things to my wife that I've needed to say that they were not pleasant. They were not what she wanted to hear. But they were best for her. You know, we had a struggle this past year where she had an opportunity to, to kind of make a transition in, in, in her job at school and stuff like this. And, and I had to honestly look at her and say, honey, I love you, but you know what? I think if you make this transition, you're going to be miserable. I said, because you love these little kids. And I said, this job's going to move you away from that. And I said, I just don't think you can, I love my wife, but you know what? I knew that I needed to tell her the truth. We, just like we talked about in Sunday school. I had to tell her the truth. Because I'm living for an audience of one, or trying to. And Paul said, look, when we came there, we were there to please God. And the last thing is this idea, and I think you see this in the life of Paul. Don't quit. Just because it gets tough, don't quit. Just because you're facing opposition, don't quit. Just because you've prayed for that person year after year after year, don't quit. Recently I saw a friend of mine who I have prayed for for over 20 years come to Christ. And you know what? I prayed for him for 20 years. Some of you have invested in his life for 20 years. Don't quit. Don't quit, but do Again, what does the Bible say? Moreover, it is required to stewards that a man be found faithful. Not successful, faithful. Without faith or faithfulness, it's impossible to please God. God wants you to keep plugging away. Don't give up. Keep plugging away at what you're doing. Paul said, look, even though it got tough, even though we got thrown in jail, even though we got mistreated, even though we got beaten, we just kept plugging away at it. 
and we wanted to invest in your life, and we just kept plugging away. And I know some of you, man, some of you have gone through so much stuff, and you've gotten so beat up, and there have been so many struggles, and it's been hard, but you need to know. You need to know this. There are some of us who are sitting back watching. And your continued faithfulness encourages us to continue to be faithful. We don't say it enough. But we're looking to you sometimes. And you're the encouragement to us. So my encouragement to all of us is to keep plugging away at it. To keep plugging away. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And when we stand before God, it will be worth it. You're about ready to watch the Olympics. You're going to watch people who have spent their lifetime for one moment. Some cases, one race, one event. And all their hopes and dreams are put into that one moment in time. I'd like to remind you, we're all working for that one moment. When we stand before our Heavenly Father and He looks at us and He says, Well done, my good, and here's the key word, faithful servant. Let's serve Him this week. So my challenge goes something like this. People are looking for something that is real and life-changing. We've been entrusted with the gospel to share it with those around us. They have to see the love of Christ in our lives. It may not be easy, but it will be worth it. Let's not quit. Lord, thanks for the day. Thanks for the time. Thanks for your word. And Lord, for some who are struggling, Lord, who kind of have been on the fence of throwing in a towel and just kind of giving up, Lord, would you encourage their hearts this morning? Lord, for all of us who have been entrusted with the gospel, Lord, we have people around us who need to see Christ in us. And Lord, for many, we have not been bold to really share with them what you have done in our lives. So help us to do that this week. And Lord, for all of us, would you use us? And thank you, Lord, for giving us this incredible gift called salvation, this incredible relationship with you. And may we, Lord, go out and live in such a way that people would see Christ in us, and Lord, that they would know that we genuinely care about them. These things we ask in your name. Amen.